You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Episode 10, Feng Gong. What has lasted 5,000 years was once almost lost. Now, the world awaits. The divine cultures return. Shen Yun are a popular dance troupe that have performed around the world. You've likely seen their ads. The ubiquity of their ads has become a meme. What you may not know is that Shen Yun is the fancy front on a group called Falun Gong or Falun Dafa. Falun Gong may be familiar to you if you live in a larger city. Their followers can often be seen in yellow t-shirts participating in Qigong in local parks. You may have also seen posters with gruesome photos and descriptions of alleged abuses of the Falun Gong members by the Chinese government. So what is Falun Gong? What do they believe? Here to discuss that with me is former follower and business reporter Ben Hurley, who wrote an incredible account of his time inside Falun Gong called Me and Lee, which you can read on Medium. Welcome, Ben. Ben, a lot of people may have seen Falun Gong members, but they might not know what it actually is about or what the belief system is. So can you explain the belief system to me? Li Hongzhu was a, um, was a very wide reader of the occult, um, you know, and various spiritual practices and religions and conspiracy theories as well. Um, and he's, he's combined a whole lot of different things with his own ideas um, to create uh, sort of a meditation practice, um, meditation and spiritual discipline. I mean, you've got very recognizable elements of um, Buddhism and Taoism. Um, you've also got some apocalyptic teachings mixed in. You've got this uh, unique kind of brand of um, evangelism that Falun Gong has, which is sort of not so much about converting people, but it's about, you know, it's, it's about warming people at least to the organization and turning them against communist uh, teachings. Um, there's also some extremely conservative um, social and uh, political views that are, that, I mean, they're not necessarily, some of them are teachings, the social things are teachings. The political side, I think it's more just sort of expected that, that people um, that people follow that. Um, at the base of it, you've got truth, compassion, tolerance, which are these uh, three principles that are, um, you know, that, that Falun Gong practitioners take as a as a guide um, to to looking within, to finding problems uh, with them when they encounter difficulties. You know, difficulties in life are seen as kind of good things. You know, they're a chance to kind of improve yourself. Uh, in my experience, Falun Gong practitioners actually really did go to a lot of effort. 
um, you know, in conflicting situations to, um, to, you know, to just turn the other cheek, to look within, to find problems with themselves and apologize uh, for those. They were often quite humble, surprisingly humble people in those situations. And then along with that, there's a series of, uh, of exercises. There's a, there's a sitting meditation and there's some slow-moving uh, Qigong exercises, um, you know, and you know the view is that as you improve your um, your heart, um, your uh, you, you'll also improve in in meditation. You'll become a, a sort of advanced. You'll become sort of a, a progressively higher being. Um, and actually, those exercises are pretty pretty grueling. Um, if you do them to the full length, it's a two hour session. It's an hour of sitting in double lotus position, and then there's a, there's an hour of standing. And some of the standing postures are very long. Um, you know, they'll never talk about the some of the things you said about aliens, for example. Those that's real kind of cons- just hard conspiracy theory sort of stuff. You know, you'll very rarely see see you know Falun Gong practitioners talk about that in public. You know, um, I mean, Master Lee never actually says that he is the highest of all gods in the cosmos, that he created the entire universe, that he's far, far higher and far more powerful than Jesus and the Buddha and Lao Tzu and anyone else. Um, you know, but every Falun Gong practitioner believes that. Every Falun Gong practitioner sees that as fact. He's implied it so many times, um, but it's kind of hard to pin him on that, you know. And how did you get into Falun Gong? Uh, I was walking down the streets in in the in the Sydney uh, Central Business District, and just a group of people wearing yellow shirts walked by. One of them gave me a flyer, a Chinese man. Uh, I took it. And I read it. It was a little bit about the teachings of Falun Gong, and it also um, it also had um, uh, some information about the practice, just some basic things. And uh, so I I took some interest in it. Um, I guess for a long time I'd kind of in I'd felt a bit of a spiritual vacuum um, in myself for various reasons, um, and I I saw this as um, you know as just possibly something that might bring a bit more clarity to my life that might just kind of help me to suffer a little bit less in my in my mind. Um, and I, uh, so I went online. I looked up the practice sites. There was one just nearby to me. Uh, it started at 5 a.m. before the sun came up. Um, went for two hours, and it was down at the end of Glebe Point Road under these two giant uh, Morton Bay fig trees that um, looked out over the bay. And uh, the people I met there were lovely. They were just great people. They didn't seem to want anything at all from me. We did the session. We joked around a bit. <clears throat> we went home. And um, I just thought I'd, I'm definitely going to come back and do more of this. Even though the exercises were so difficult, I saw it as a challenge that I kind of wanted to, um, that I wanted to overcome. Um, I was just at the, uh, just about to leave Australia to go backpacking for more than a year. I'd already saved and I'd already made my plans. Um, so I went backpacking and I guess, you know, just some of the issues that I'd had, some of the unaddressed, um, you know, mental issues that I, that I had at that time, um, really kind of surfaced about halfway through that trip. Um, and I found myself in something of, I guess, a bit of a kind of a mental sort of crisis, you know, where I just really needed, um, something that would ground me. Um, and so I sought the practice out in Bangkok, in Thailand, um, and that's where I very much I, I deepened my belief there. I would join those sessions every morning. Quickly became quite a, I think, quite a zealot with Falun Gong. Um, I um, 
very, very devoted to the teachings. Uh, I lived something like a, almost a bit of a monkish sort of a life, I think, in, in, in Bangkok for, for about half a year. Um, just focused mostly on, um, you know, doing the exercises, reading the scriptures, and um, getting out and, uh, you know, getting involved in the activities to, ex- you know, to expose what the Chinese government was, was doing to Falun Gong at the time. Can you describe what was going on in your life at the time? It was an extremely difficult time. Uh, there was this hope that I had, you know, that this, this kind of this anguish that I had experienced for, for so long in my life, just as a constant companion, you know, that that, that was, um, you know, that I might find a way to, you know, to ease that. And in fact, I already had found a way to ease that, you know, just the kind of clarity about how the world was, you know, <laughs> how the world works, at least from that perspective, really just settled down my mind a lot and, and provided a lot of relief to me at that time. Um, there was the, the camaraderie, um, with other Falun Gong practitioners, you know, where you would just get in there as a group and read. Those reading groups were very international. You would have Chinese people, uh, Thai people, you would have people coming over from Europe, um, and each person would read the book in their own language. Um, so we'd take turns reading paragraphs, and we'd know that, and then people would just follow along in their own languages. You would have sort of four or five different languages in these groups. And then because it was in Thailand, you know, it all, like, after we finished reading, and exercising, we just sit in the park and eat amazing food. Um, so, you know, there were some good things like that. Uh, but there was also, there was, there was this fear. There was this, there was this fear of these sacrifices that I, I knew that I had to make um, in, in Falun Gong in order to deepen my belief, you know, to, to sever these kind of human ties that I I had to the people that I loved, you know, to my to my family members, um, uh, I and 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 to my friends. I, I knew that, and sorry, I'm not sa- I'm not saying I know this now, but at that time it was very clear in my mind that, you know, that the persecution in China was so pressing, and this was such a short spiritual opportunity for me to, um, you know, to, to to help with this with this and this fleeting moment in time and and secure you know secure blessings for my afterlife sort of thing you know it was just it was something that i knew that i had to put everything that i had into um and there was also this fear of the consequences consequences for me if i didn't help i mean the teachings are full of these kind of master lee hongzhu calls them stick warnings which is where he warns people about you know um, you know about about Falun Gong practitioners who don't who don't step in to help Falun Gong who benefit from Falun Gong or from the far as he calls it that's the sort of teachings who benefit from the far but then don't step in to help uh, when the far is you know is under pressure like you know as in when the Chinese government goes after it um, those are the worst kinds of people you know those people have no future they'll go into the gate of no life they'll just suffer endlessly I mean you know, so there's this. There was this fear of this, that I had to that I had to overcome in my mind, um, and that was hard. Um, the, the the there was the learning the exercises. I mean, I couldn't even sit cross-legged in, in a normal sense of cross-legged, and you know, just gradually, just I just stretched my legs down to the point where I could sit in the full lotus position, and then sit in that position for an hour. You know, and I mean, this is this is if if you don't believe how hard this is i mean just try sitting in full lotus for an hour i mean after after 10 15 minutes your legs are numb and by about like 30 or 40 minutes at least my legs like there was this agonizing throbbing in my legs that i would try to detach myself from in my mind and just kind of watch 
you know, play out. Um, there was there was there was euphoria sometimes, you know, when I just uh, when uh, I get there was this there was um, there was there was some quite interesting meditation kind of phenomena that came up. Um, uh, a lot of feelings, <laughs> a lot of feelings came up in this journey. Can you describe the meditation phenomena? At that time, I believe that these phenomena were things because Falun Gong was so amazing. But now I just know that meditation is just a really incredible thing. And I still do it, you know, like Master Lee doesn't own meditation. But yeah, I mean, I would sit in, in meditation. It's happened to me quite a few times and just and just uh, really just focus my mind, just calm down. Um, and uh, and the pain would start coming up. And I would just I would get to this point where I was just beyond the pain. I was just there sitting my whole body was relaxed, and just burning with pain, but relaxed. And I would just look at that pain as if it just had no impact on me, you know. And then, uh, and then my body would start to disappear, you know, my my legs, my 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 um, you know, my 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 chest, my arms, you know, even my head, like is you know exactly as 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 uh, Li Hong did sort of described this um, in one of his books. It's really actually what what happened. Eventually, I was just left with 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 nothing but this very clear consciousness that I was there and the entire world around me was there and there was no different there was no physical differentiation between between me and the world it was it was a very beautiful feeling that I, I would not describe as euphoria around this time you've mentioned that you began to separate from your friends and family is that something that was made implicit or explicit by the group sure uh, well well I was in Thailand when I deepened my belief. So none of my family were there. Um, I had left as this, you know, as this backpacker wanting to see the world, like from a fairly progressive family. Um, and uh, your, your typical set of sort of left-wing beliefs and so on. Um, and then when I, you know, my family started getting these letters back from me, you know, hi, how are you? I'm good. Maybe you should try this spiritual practice. It seemed kind of weird, you know? And they were, they were getting a bit worried about that. And when I finally did come back, um, they were they were shocked at how different I was. You know, I had become very serious, uh, very intense, uh, and very evangelical about this. Um, I had no interest in doing anything that wasn't to do with Falun Gong. I had no interest in in reading other books. You know, I didn't really want to talk about politics because you know politics was just dirty kind of human stuff. Um, and uh, you know, so the change in me was extremely stark. And, and, and why did that come about? I mean, I guess uh, that was at a time when, when Master Li Hongzhu, I, sorry, I just, I'm just in a habit of calling him Master Li, but I don't really, usually I just call him Li Hongzhu. Um, but is it when Li Hongzhu was releasing a lot of teachings at that time about, you know, that, about what was happening, this thing called the fire rectification period, which was this kind of cosmic battle that Falun Gong practitioners were a part of and they needed to step up and, um, you know, and get out there and tell the truth and save people by telling them the truth, you know. So, so there, there was every Falun Gong practitioner who had this belief, had this, this deep sense of responsibility, but also of a, you know, a very heavy burden that, that it was upon them to, you know, to, to, to sort of, to, you know, I don't know, it sounds just silly, but sort of to save the universe, really. I mean, the things that we sort of, um, and so I felt an enormous enormous pressure to do that and that's combined with the teachings about you know ordinary people being sort of pitiful um dirty kind of 
um, people just full of attachments, you know, not knowing what they want, not not having any control over their desires. Whereas we were sort of, you know, in training to be kind of you know, the gods and Buddhas and angels of the of the future, you know. So we, they they weren't like us. They could never be like us. They could they could never understand us. Um, but you still had to be compassionate towards them. So I, I think you know, I started living a kind of a double life. You know, in a sense, I was um, I was this you know would have these intense spiritual discussions with Falun Gong practitioners, all these super conservative beliefs, all these you know really out there um, religious teachings, and then I'd go back home to my family or go to my job. And just, just, and just, and and act act like a normal person in society. Avoid certain topics. Maybe very carefully try to, you know, try to breach Falun Gong topics like when I when I could. Um, yeah, it was a, yeah, it, it really was a double life. For more on this episode, including the rest of the interview, bonus episodes, and bonus material, including production notes, head over to patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. You can find Unbelief on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can visit the website at onbelief.com.